Now, I want us to grab a hold of this because this book has what a lot of people call some controversial stuff in it. Um, I believe that the 66 books of the Bible have very much controversial stuff in it. It holds man to the light of a holy God. Um, this book, I do not believe, is that controversial if I keep the book in its context and understand what the Apostle Paul is dealing with and understand that the Corinthian church is very, very similar to what you see in the church in America today. Uh, and, and if we remember, I'm going to take you back a little bit here, but the first seven chapters were dealing with schisms in the church, divisions, people not getting along, people bringing their ideology in and trying to mix it with what God was doing. I feel, I believe, I think. And there's nothing wrong with what you feel or what you believe or what you think. But if it comes against Scripture, are you willing to jettison it? That's where we get into trouble. We, I can just take even this group today and have a whole myriad of different ideologies, different methods that you were raised in, uh, different backgrounds that you come off. Some of you chronologically, some of you just in different locations and different parts of the globe, d just different things that you have dealt with. And so you bring all of that stuff in when you come to salvation in Jesus Christ. That's all there. It's sort of like the operating system in your computer. You have all of this already there. What I believe is this or what I believe is that or how I feel about this or how I do this or how I conduct myself in this thing. You bring it all with you. But yet you'll watch the Lord will remove that that is an offense to him. That that perhaps you cling on to maybe just a little bit too much. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago. That, you know, with the finances of the church and the things that are going on, I'm really struggling with coming up with this cash and, and taking cash out of my family's um, accounts and sending myself to Russia when I look at the church and, and, and the struggles of this church. Okay, logically, Terry says you don't take money and spend it if you're not sure about uh, replacing it or even in my case, even another paycheck. Okay? That don't make sense, does it? But see, that's based on whose logic? Man's logic. And I really struggled with that. And, and the Lord, once I made the commitment and said, yes, Lord, you want me there, it's obvious you want me there, then that's when uh, the times of teaching in England opened up and, and a, just a whole, what shall I say, plethora of stuff rolled up and said, are you going to trust me? Okay. So it's just stuff like that. So when you think about all of this stuff, when you think about this text that we're going to conclude today and the rest of this book, you need to understand that as you look at this, you're going to have in the back of your head what raised you, your ideologies, your beliefs, your feelings, um, your background. Perhaps things that you have struggled with. Perhaps things you may need to struggle with. So when you look at the Word of God, look at it as that. It is thus saith the Lord. Because in chapter 8, he began dealing with the issue of the church. That the church in Corinth had asked the Apostle Paul about. 
And the do you find that fascinating? The first seven chapters is the Apostle Paul dealing with an issue that he knew was there. That he had experienced, that he understood was already there. He had already seen the quote-unquote fruit of it. And he dealt with that without anybody asking him. Now listen, if you're not getting along with somebody, do you go ask somebody else how to reconcile that thing? Or do you just kind of blow it off? Because the Apostle Paul says, the Lord has led me to deal with it. And Paul dealt with it straight up front with him. Then he says, now let me deal with your question on food offered to idols. Okay? Because it was an idolatrous society. It was everywhere. Everything in the society took place in temples. Everything from the temple of Artemis to the temple of Diana to the temple of Bacchus. Everything was focused around temple worship. And that's what he's dealing with right now. And he's saying, you have freedom. You have a freedom in Christ that natural man can't even comprehend, can't even understand it. I now, as a child of God, have the freedom to do what is right. I have that ability. What sin can a believer overcome? All sin. Okay? And let me explain something to you. You had no ability before. Now you have all ability. And now in my freedom, what do I do? And I, this really gets good because in the conclusion of chapter 10 in that first verse there, he, he'll deal with it. It's almost like a summary. He deals with it, kind of piles it up and explains it. Okay? I mean, because when I exercise my freedom, we've already looked at this. How does it affect me and how does it affect others? And you can't ever let that go too far. Okay? So in this text, he's dealing with the truth about idolatry. The truth about the worship of idols. And, I, and I've laid this out as clearly as I could. And I prayed that the Spirit would teach you and show you. Because you know what? You can walk out of here and say, you know what? I'm an idolater. How do I overcome that? How do you overcome it? I must decrease. He must increase. Okay? You know, people ask me why I read my Bible so I can understand more and more about who He is, His purpose, His ways, His will. Okay? And then the underlying package in that whole thing is how much does He love me? When I read my Scriptures, that's what I'm always looking for. How much do you love me? So when I read through this, that some of this may you know, this almost sounds legalistic. And in some cases, it will sound legalistic. But the truth of the matter is, he says, I have called you out of that place. Okay? It isn't that I'm separated from my society, but I will not be mastered by my society. Okay? He's going to make it again. Look at verse 23. This is the second time he said it in the context of this teaching. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but what? It doesn't edify. It doesn't strengthen. It doesn't make me stronger. When I'm dealing with exercising of my freedom, that's all I have to ask. 
Did you see how simple it is? Well, Terry, I think there's more to it. No. God created us and He says, you guys run around trying to be complex. It ain't. When I'm exercising my freedom, the only thing I have to ask, am I going to be strengthened by this? Is it going to strengthen me? And then if I can say, absolutely, then I can look around at the body of Christ and say, well, what about these others? Will they be strengthened if I do this? See how simple it is? And yet, what will we do? And I've dealt with a lot of this. So he, he comes up with this statement, and he says there in verse 14, flee it. Flee what? Idolatry. Flee it. It's the same term that he told Timothy, flee youthful lust. What does that mean? Run. Go the opposite direction. Don't wait. Don't sit and think about it. Don't pray about it. It's there. What? Run. Run. It isn't rocket science. Why? He comes out of, take heed. If you think you can stand. And therefore, when it comes to idolatry, you're wise. You judge. What should you do? Flee it. Flee it. Second thing that we looked at was verses 16 through 18. It's illogical. It's illogical. The word there that you see sharing in the New American Standard is koinonia. That's more than some translations will call it um, uh, fellowshipping. It's more than that. It's more than that. Okay. Uh, I can be a partaker. I can be a, a sharer. I can fellowship with all kinds of people. But it will not move into koinonia. Because koinonia has an intimacy to it. You know, and I thought about this, uh, and I shared this before, when the Apostle Paul talked about him as a pastor in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, we were among you as gentle. And you sit there and go, well, that's cool. You know, I was gentle. You know, what does that mean? Then Paul gives you an illustration. As a nursing mother to her own child. Okay, so when you think about gentle, what do you think about? And the Apostle Paul says, well, let me define gentle for you. Okay, not only that, he says, we imparted to you, we shared with you, what? The gospel of our Lord and what else? Our lives. Think about a nursing mother. Okay. Now, I can look at that and say, here's... Pastor Paul preaching this and it's a, a commandment unto me as a, as a pastor that I need to look at this and I need to walk this way. But you know what else I can do with it? I can take that bugger and hold it up and shine it like a mirror and say, look at it. How do you fit? How do you fit? I've shared with some of you this last year or so of my ministry, the Lord has just... Uh, the proverbial footprints of God on, on my keister and head and other places. He's taken me and he's moved me from a place of caring. Okay? Do you understand that? A place of unwavering caring. That's cool, isn't it? We like that. People, it's nice. Isn't it nice to know that somebody cares about you? Isn't it? My wife thinks so. The rest of you, I don't know. Sure. Okay. Okay. My wife likes it when I care for her. 
Okay. Um, but he says, Terry, I didn't ask you to care for my people. What did he say? Love them. Love them. You know what that means, right? I can tell you. I can give you a good illustration. Leadership class looked at it Tuesday night. Is that a good illustration? John's Gospel, 13th chapter. What? Jesus did what? Washed their feet. You know what's bizarre about that whole thing? All 12 are there. Do you know what I said? All 12 are there. That means he washed Judas' feet. It would be hard for me to care for Judas. Wouldn't it? But he says, I don't even want you to care, Terry. I want you to love. Well, Judas is a son of perdition. You know, we can handle that. All right? Because that's just, he was called to do that and year ago and we knew what was going on and Jesus knew that, you know, the greater plan was that he needed to be betrayed and executed and all the rest of it. Okay? How about Peter? How about Peter? How about John? Matthew? How about those guys? Because Jesus, after that, He says, guess what? He goes through a big dissertation. He says, before this night is through, you will all scatter. Okay? It's a little tough to care for people who would treat you that way, isn't it? How about loving them? He says, you're wise. You're logical. You're going to commune with the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Okay, and that communion, that sharing, that koinonia is more than, yo, bro. It's more than being involved with people that you have things in common with. It's more than that. It is a fellowshipping. It is a participation. It is a partnership. It is, I'm willing to lay myself down for the sake of the others. Why? Because I'm already a partaker of Christ. And anyone that I would partake in the Lord's table with is what? A partaker of Christ. So you who would partake of the Lord's table, that quote-unquote communion, you're also communing with the saints. Do you see the difference now in the Lord's table? I do. I mean, I, I wish... I'd have seen this years ago. But when I partake of the Lord's table, it's more than just a symbol. I'm identifying with Christ. I'm identifying with His humanness. But I'm also identifying with His violent death. And it brings to your senses, it should open your mind in the power of the Holy Spirit where all of a sudden the things of Jesus Christ in your life are real. They become fibers of the nerves of your existence. It should send impulses through your soul that says, He loved me so much, He paid a debt that I have absolutely no ability even touching. He loved me so much that He has made me an heir of all of existence. He loved me so much 
that he literally will use this vile, broken human to literally deal with the eternity of other people's souls. He loved me so much that upon his return in all of his magnificent glory, I will be with him. See, all of that should rush back into your mind when you take that little cup, when you take that little cracker. It should all just overwhelm you. It should flood over you. It should be consuming to you. And he says, I want you to do this. Why? In remembering me. Remember me. Sunday night, we're studying spiritual walks. Things to watch out for and things that can happen to children of God. And we started over in the seven church of Asia Minor in the book of Revelations. And we can look at Laodicea and said, I just can't believe them people. They're not lukewarm. You know, they're just lukewarm. They're not hot and they're not cold. And all they want to do is make Jesus puke. Right? We just look at them and think, I just can't believe them people. Right? You know what bothers me the most? It's what I'm teaching on. Ephesus. They had works. They tested the doctrine. They made sure everybody who came in wasn't some kind of doodah. God was using them to impact the kingdom. God was using them to spread it around the world. Apostle Paul founded the church. The next pastor in there was Timothy. I know that when John was released from the island of Patmos, guess what church he attended? Ephesus. I've read about the martyrdom of Polycarp. I've read a lot of things about the church of Ephesus. It's an amazing church. And yet in that first letter to the churches, he says, you've done some amazing stuff, but you have done what? Lost your first love. You know what? You can go to the Ephesus today. Did you know that? And see the ruins. Why? They did what? Lost their first love. How can you partake of the Lord's table and lose your first love? It is illogical. Not only that, remember what we're coming out of. He says, Israel is an example to you. Israel is a pattern to you. Israel is a model to you. What not to do? Israel had communion, had fellowship, had koinonia with the God of gods, even in the wilderness. And he says, yet that whole generation was disqualified was useless to God. comes out of ninth chapter, verse 27. I buffet my body. I beat it black and bruised. I'm willing to bruise it so I am not disqualified. My body will be my servant, not me serving my body. Why? Because I can partake of the Lord's table. There's a union. Yeah, it's a spiritual thing. But it's way more than that. It's the reality of Christ when you partake of that. And it must be kept in light of our Christian freedom. Do I understand that? When I partake of the Lord's table, if I'm doing it in a way and I'm blending it with other communion that I've had, how does it affect me? How does it affect me? Listen, chapter 11 says that in the church in Corinth, some were getting really sick. Very ill, feeble. Did you know that some were dying? Did you hear what I said? 
They were partaking of the Lord's table in a way that they were communing with the cup of the Lord and the cup of... We don't like to say that, do we? Demons, that's that thing that's on the movies. Isn't it? We want to do that. I remember sitting down one time with Stephanie. I can say this because she's in the nursery and can't hear me. And she was struggling with her husband. Her husband is... Yeah, her her husband is 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 not not saved. She was struggling with it, and I explained to her, "Do you not know who your husband serves? Well, he serves himself. Everything he does." And I said, "No, Satan." But I did warn her. Don't go tell him that. <laughs> don't don't go run and tell your husband he's a big bubba. <laughs> don't go run and tell your husband that I said he's a devil worshiper. <laughs> Okay? You don't think about that, do we? You and I literally will look at somebody who's not saved, but who is what we would call, they're not a bad person. Okay? Right? What would you call them? Spiritually neutral? What are they? There's only two masters in the world. I know we hate to hear this, but there's only two. You serve God or you serve. And I don't care how, you know, we can, uh, that little girl that they found this week down in Florida was kidnapped and the guy had killed her. We look at that and say, that man's a Satan. Really? Do you know anybody who does not have a faith in Jesus Christ is of Satan? They are following the father of lies. I've used this illustration before, but I want to share it again. I love flowers. You see this? I'm your typical average human being. Okay, I love music. I can't sing. Okay, I love flowers because I kill them if I take care of them. Okay, it's just something, you know, I don't know. Maybe you guys don't have that problem, but when I love something, I'm usually going to just tear it up. Okay, that's why I like cars and motorcycles because I know how to fix them. You don't have to water them or talk to them either. Um, But anyway... um, I love roses. Roses are my favorite. Okay? And the reason is, if you look at them, if you, if you ever just... I, don't ask me why I did this, but anyway. You just look at them, and it's just amazing to see them when they're like in your, the size of your finger, and then they open up, and they'll spiral out as they open up, and you see all the individual leaves. And you know, that if you grab that rose and you pinch it, okay? And I'm talking about the flower itself. The, I don't know what it's called, but that little... Piece in there, if you squeeze that, okay, pinch it, damage it. It smells stronger. Did you know that? See, I'm, on a, I'm a typical male. Let's break it and see if we can put it back together. Okay? <laughs> All right. But it sure smells good. <laughs> so, anyway, I, I like roses. Now, you guys are saying, hey, he's, he's gone off. Okay? But you know what the problem with the rose is? If you go grab a hold of one, what do you get? Handful of thorns. You know what? That's what the world is. Look at it. The world's beautiful. It's amazing, isn't it? Mountains, oceans, deserts. I seen a thing last week where it's talk about Death Valley and Bloom because they had more water than they've ever had and all these flowers, the whole valley of Death Valley is, 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 is in bloom with all these colors and all the rest of it. Wow, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. I love, you know, my traveling. I like watching the transitions of landscape and terrain and stuff like that. I don't have any problem with that. 
But you know what? If you try to grab a hold of it, you'll end up with thorns. And Paul is telling you that when you commune with the world and you commune with the Lord of hosts, what happens to you? It's illogical. It's illogical. Okay, look, why? Verse 19, what do I mean then? That thing sacrificed to idol is anything or that an idol is anything? And he's basically giving a good a good. good Question on there, why? These little statues out of stone or wood or porcelain or copper or brass or whatever, are they anything? No, the little Buddhist statues, are they anything? How about the guys who have the, um, how do they call them things? Look like nets hanging off their mirror. Dream catchers. Yeah, net catchers or whatever. Dream catchers. Is that anything? No, it ain't nothing. Crystals. Crystals. Is that anything? What can it do for you? What will the dream catcher do for you? Nothing. It ain't going to do anything for you. Is it? So Paul says, what am I saying here? Is it anything? Look at chapter 8, verse 4. He says, concerning things sacrificed to idols. We know there's no such thing as an idol in the world. There's no God but one. Okay, so when I look at these things that people have, I can look at them and snicker at it. Okay? Okay, light a candle in front of the Virgin Mary. And it will do what? Help with... Yeah, set her on fire. (laughs) I can see her. Actually, it adds to global warming. (laughs) Okay, see what you're doing? All right. Verse 8 of that same text says, The food will not condemn us to God... We are neither worse if we do not eat or better if we do eat. He's basically saying offering this stuff is really what? Commuting what? But he's saying here, when you go to these festivals, when you're involved in these things, remember what I shared with you about idolatry. You've got to get, remember this. When I'm involved in this idol, I understand that that idol is no God. And you know what? I'm a child of God. I am free in God. I'm not involved in the worship of another God. But let me share with you something. In this text here, it says there is a real communion that exists when you step into that. Verse 20. Look at that one real quick. No, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to what? Demons. Demons. Let me share with you something. When I'm out in the world, moving through the world, and people find out what I do for a living, they will always hang this on me. You are a man of faith. Okay? You're a man of faith. You're... You're, you're a Bible teacher, you're a preacher, pastor, you're a man of faith. You know what? I have never met a human being who is not a person of faith. Here's what happens. People worship an idol. Okay, and I shared with you what an idol is. Do, you, do, you, do I need to go back through it? Okay. Worshiping something that is different than the character of God. Worshiping the true God in a different way. Coveting is an idol. 
You can have idols in your heart. You can have lust can be an idol. Okay, do you remember those? Remember that sermon? Okay. So when you think about idols, grab all of those. Because here's what happens to an idol. There is no God there. But if a person wants to believe, put faith in whatever it is, okay, there is a God there. But it is with the little g. Because, see, our adversary is more than happy to send a demon to impersonate the God that people think is there. Now grab that. Worshiping the true God in a false way is idolatry. Okay? It can... They speak fluent Christianese, but they're worshiping a what? Are you afraid to say it? A demon. Do you see why the Apostle Paul says you need to flee idolatry? It can be coveting. It can be lust. It can be worshiping God in his in what is not true of him. Satan is more than happy to put an impersonation in there. And you know what? The demon will do enough, and I'll even call it supernatural work, to keep that person or people worshiping that idol. Why? I've got them. I've baited it. You've got to understand something. Please grab this. Satan and the demonic host don't walk around with horns and a pitchfork and a tail. They don't do the exorcist movie spitting out green pea soup and see this ugly, demented-looking individual. They will teach you the Bible. They will tell you this is of God. In the end times, they will be doing miracles, even bringing fire down from heaven. And they said they're going to be so good at it, if it was possible, they could even deceive who? The elect. Please understand that. And you this day are immersed in idolatry. In idolatry. Why? What influences you? What influences you? What do you spend most of the time consuming? What influences you? Ask yourself a question. Is it idolatrous? And if it's idolatrous, but see, you don't understand. If I do this and this and this, this always happens. Huh, cool. Why? How do you know it ain't a demon? Well, we don't talk about demons. We're way more sophisticated than that. This is Corinth. You expect that here. Really? I thought God was the same yesterday, today, and when? Forever. Jesus said something about His Word that I always find fascinating. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but what happens? So ask yourself a question. Oh, but that's not cultural to me? I don't have any Buddhas in my house. I don't have any 
what, stuff in my house? I don't have any little statues in my house? Okay, what about the one that I shared with you out of Ezekiel? That the elders of the church, uh, the elders of Israel had what in their hearts? Idols in their hearts. Do you have idols in your hearts? If you don't know whether you do, ask your family. They'll tell you. They like sharing that. They do. Matt, don't laugh. Your day's coming, dude. And I've seen the ring, and it's coming quicker than you ever dreamed. Okay? And I, I mean, and I know Michigan is of the devil. So, hey. <laughs> okay? Listen, a demon will deceive. And he will deceive as if God. Why do people f- follow astrology? You know the thing in the back of the newspaper? Why do they do that? It, not only do they think it has some, but every once in a while, you know what? Them little buggers are right. You know what? It says I was going to have something good happen today, and look there, my federal income tax check came back. How about that? All right? And we all just sit there. See, I don't have to ever worry about that because <laughs> I read my astrology and it says, and you will pay more taxes. And I read the next one, it says, and you're still going to pay more taxes. So I quit reading mine. And my demon done left. <laughs> because he's, he's saying, anyway. But do you see what I'm saying? They're going to do enough. The father of lies and his minions are going to do enough to make it true. Do you know, have, have you guys ever heard of, uh, what the heck is that, Nostradamus? Okay, and he predicted Kennedy, and he did this, and he predicted Hitler, and he did this. Did you know that he has less than 3% correct out of everything he's ever predicted? 3%. And yet we'll put TV shows up. And yet I read my Bible and God says Tyre is going to be so cursed that they will scrape off and their ruins won't even be there and the place that they believe they would move it to will be a place to dry fishing nets. Guess what? It's 2005. You can go to the ruins of Tyre which were on the coast of the Mediterranean and the Babylonians went in there and couldn't get them out. And so he finally just burned the place to the ground, but all of the rocks, the stone structures stayed. So they got smart, and there was this little thing out in the Mediterranean Sea, and they said, we'll build a city out there, and if an army comes in, we'll all run out there and go, nah, 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 nah. Guess what? Alexander the Great. He come cruising down the coastline and all he said was, Tyre, I want some provisions for my army and I would like for you to help me because I'm headed on down to Egypt. You know what Tyre said? We're out on our little island. You can't touch us. Nah, 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 nah. You know what Alexander the Great did? He took all the ruins of the old city, tore them down, pushed them into the ocean and made a bridge out to the new city. And then he took it to the ground. And you know what they do on that rock now? In 2005, do you know what they do on that rock? They dry fishnets on that rock. Now, for me to think about Nostradamus and to read Daniel, and I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, there is way too much detail in this lucky guess. 
And so their conclusion is that somebody else wrote Daniel. <laughs> Brilliant. Do you understand that? Why do people stay in false systems of religion? They can't see the light for the truth. Have you ever dealt with them people? Because they've seen supernatural reality. Truth. They see what they believe is truth. It's not because there's a God there, but there is a demon there impersonating the God of truth. And all he has to do is just enough to keep you hooked. And I've never met a human being yet who doesn't worship. And if you do a little trick for me, guess what? I'll worship. And if you keep doing tricks, I'll worship more. And you know what? I don't care what you base the tricks on. Just keep doing me some tricks and this will be cool. And you'll be my God. A demonic communion is taking place. A person worships in a false system of religion. He, is, he or she is communing with what? A demon. Okay? Now let me explain something to you, Christian. You get involved with it. You sit around it. You sit by it. You listen to it. Guess what happens? Hear me well. It will influence you. And in that influence happens what? Koinonia. People will identify you with it. You know what you are in the kingdom of God? Useless. Moving to a point of disqualification. I am identifying with the worshipers. If I identify with those worshipers, I identify with the demon of that worship. When you go out and you do that, and the rest of the world, you do what the rest of the world is chasing, you do what the rest of the world says, this is success, this is positive, this is what's going on, you are participating in the world's activity, you are commuting with what? Afraid to say it? How many of you are concerned about your Social Security? Okay. How many of you are concerned about your jobs, your retirement, your 401k, your whatever is out there? How many of you are concerned about it? And the reason is what? Because you have a system out there that's going to do what for you? How many of you get concerned if you don't get your two days off? Anybody? Anybody gets bothered? You know, I work five. I'm supposed to get two, right? And I'm going to get ticked off if I get two. You know what God says you're supposed to get? One. One. And you know, there's days I'd give anything for the one. Do you understand that? You need time to relax. You need time to go do this. You need to go play golf. You need to go do this. You need to go play. You need to go do something else. Why? Why does it say that? Why do we do that? Think about these things. These are the subtleties of the society that you're in. And you bring that ideology in when you come to worship the true living God, don't you? Don't you? You know, I've, you heard this debate that's going on with this lady uh, in Florida. They want to remove her. Well, I guess they removed her feeding tube. Okay, and everybody says, then the Christians need to stand up and, and all that stuff. Okay, here's what the Christians are missing on that. Okay, 
Did the two become one? Did the two become one? Yes, they did. So if something happens to the one, who has authority over? The husband does. Now, I know everybody's going to, you're going to get on me about this, but let me tell you something. We missed it. The issue has got nothing to do whether it's euthanasia or anything like that. But let me tell you something. They said, and they took a covenant before a holy God that said, we will be one. I don't know all the details about it, but I do know that there's a covenant that is there. And it is God-honoring. And if you want a biblical illustration, when Abraham cruised over into Egypt, he had his one. And he says, you know what? These people over here are going to look at you and they're going to think you're a fox. That's not in the Hebrew. (laughs) Um, And so what I want you to do is tell them that I am your brother. And Galatians tells me that by her obeying her husband, it was counted unto her as... Righteousness. I have agreement with my bride that says, should I ever get to the place that I can no longer do the passion of my soul, wave goodbye. If I can't teach anymore, if I can't preach anymore, then, and I can't study to show myself a worker approved, rightly dividing truth, then guess what? Bye. I'm done. Okay? See what happened? It's demonic. Why? Because Satan is the prince of where? This world. Because he rules this world. And demons move around and all they're doing is impersonating religious systems. No matter what you get into, you are communing with that demon if you buy it. Okay, and you can't avoid it. Let me give you some text. You can write these down and look them up yourself. Psalm 96.5. Here's what it says. This is a translation from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. All the gods of the nation are demons. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 17. Deuteronomy 32.17, Psalm 106, verse 37. They all say the same thing, that they are sacrificing to demons. Here you have a Christian who communing with the Lord, with the cup, the bread. He goes into an idol celebration, an idol feast, a false system. And as soon as he enters into that idol feast and he partakes, he becomes a communer. He is in fellowship. He is a partner. He is sharing. He is communing with a demon. Verse 20. They sacrifice to demons. Not to God's. And I do not want you to become koinoniae. A sharer in demons. Okay. I like this word there. You say you cannot drink of the cup. Look at verse 21. You cannot drink of the cup and cannot partake of the table of the Lord. The word there cannot. is not the word cannot of impossibility. It is cannot of inconsistency. 
Okay, you can't do that. It's inconsistent. Why? He says, I don't want you to be unaware, brother, in verse one, that our fathers were all under a crowd cloud and they all passed through the sea. and They were all baptized into Moses. They all ate the same spiritual food. They ate the same spiritual drink. They were following a, a rock which followed them, which was Jesus Christ. Most of them, God wasn't pleased and they were laid low there. These things are examples for us. Flee idolatry. You can't be consistent. You can't be useful. You can even disqualify yourself and drink of the cup of the Lord and drink of the cup of demons. You can't be a part of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Why should a Christian avoid the things of the world? Why? Because we have been told, come out from among them. Be separate. We always use the word, I'm being sanctified or I'm holy. You know what that means? Separate. I'm going to be different than them. You will be able to see me in the crowd. When I, I think about uh, walking in Jerusalem on a Sabbath. Okay? Everybody's got their black on, and they've got the little hats, and they've got the curls and things like this. And i got a red ski jacket on, and a pair of my really cool sunglasses, and blonde hair, blue eyes. And everybody in Jerusalem says, that is a Gentile. Okay? And yet, I should be that way when I'm in among the Gentiles. They should be able to look at you and say, that is a child of God. Why? Their passions ain't the same as me. Their desires ain't the same as me. Evil systems, whether moral or religious, are all of demons. Christian cannot commune with demons and turn around and commune with Christ. It's inconsistent. And it's, please grab a hold of this. It's all idolatry. Every form. Like I said, whether it's slandering God's character, the worship of an image, coveting, lust, idols in our heart, worshiping in the wrong way. It's all demonic. It's all demonic. Okay, now here's the question that shows up. Do you think that demons can bother Christians? Okay? Sure. They cannot indwell them. Okay? Can't indwell. It's impossible. Can they bother them? Absolutely. And when a Christian puts yourself in a place where they can bother you, we'll all know it. There's only two times in the New Testament that I see where a Christian was messed up with demons. Did you know that? One, Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira. Okay? You know where the other one is? Right here in your text in front of you. You hang around with the influence of the demonic host of the idol worship of the festivals and feasts. Guess what? It's inconsistent. What happens? Chapter 11 says that some of them were sick and some of them were dying. See... Where Christians hang around things of the world, systems of the world, so they can end up becoming and communing with what? Do you see a serious problem here? Verse 21. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. You cannot do it. Why? You, it is spiritually inconsistent. And you become useless even to the point of being disqualified. You can't do it. It's impossible. And there's a terrible result. 
Sure. We'll look at it more in depth. Let me show you a text, because a text that's always really bothered me that, I don't know, maybe you guys had it all figured out. It's the second letter of John. Okay, it's that great big long one. It's 13 verses. I'm going to teach this next. It should take me about 12 years. <clears throat> Verse 9 says this. Anyone who goes too far, is New American Standard, um, anyone who goes ahead. Do you get that? Interesting statement. Verse 9, 2 John. Goes ahead, goes too far, does not abide in the teachings of Christ, does not have God. And the one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and Son. Okay? The word abide is remain. Is remain. When you go too far, when you start presuming on God, if anyone comes to you, look what verse 10 says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring his teaching and and does not bring this teaching. What teaching is that? That of Christ. Okay? Do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. For the, look what he says in verse 11. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in the evil deeds. You know what that participates word is? Koinonia. You are a fellow taker. You are a partner in what? Evil deeds. Evil deeds. I always struggled with that text. I just didn't understand it. What are they saying? He said, don't even let them in your house. And don't even bid them good day. Don't entertain them. We must maintain our separateness. Okay? All right, here's the question. It's 2005. Is this really that big a deal? Okay, well, I'll tell you what Paul says. Under the power of the Holy Spirit of God. <clears throat> Verse 22. Do we provoke God to jealousy? See, I have my freedom. I move in this society. I kind of in and out, in and out, in and out. You know, I have my freedom. But what happens if it offends the Lord? Okay, Paul asked a question. It's stated in a question format. Would you provoke the Lord to jealousy? Now think about that. Now listen, I'm not a really smart, smart guy or, you know, not a lot of things. But you know what? In my 48 years, I know a truth that I have learned. Okay, here's the truth that I have learned. Only make enemies of people weaker than you. All right? No, that's common sense, but <laughs> okay? Only make enemies of people weaker than you. Okay? So let me ask you a question. You think about this idol worship and you think, well, it ain't that big a deal. I'm not really getting that involved with it. And you know, I am trying to reach the lost. I'm kind of dabbling in it, but you know what? It doesn't master me. Let me ask you a question. Are you stronger than God? Do you believe that you could take Him mano a mano? That's what Paul says. We're not stronger than He, are we?
The only way I would want to make God mad, jealous, provoked is that if I was tougher than Him, that I had more patience in Him, I could outlast Him, or I could whip Him one-on-one. I watched, read my Bible, it says all the armies of the nations will try that. And all He does is speak. I'll be honest with you, I... I don't want him irritated with me. <laughs> so when I read here, it says flee idolatry. You know what? I'm putting my running shoes on. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 21 says, They have stirred me to jealousy with what is no God. If you want to stir God to jealousy, you better be stronger than he is. Or you ain't going to be able to handle him. Let me give you some verses. And you go look this up. And I, I think that you'll see something here that I hope that you'll pay attention to. When you think about idolatry, I believe that we here who sit here this day, we don't look at it as that big a deal. You know, alcoholics, you know, murder, uh, pornography, um, slander, uh, adultery, divorce, all that stuff. That's bad stuff. But I don't think we look at idolatry. And yet, Deuteronomy 7, Deuteronomy 16... Deuteronomy 17, Jeremiah 25, Jeremiah 44, all deal with God, wrath, and vengeance against idolatry. Well, but that's the Old Covenant. That's Old Testament. That's when he sort of had an attitude thing going on. Okay, Revelations 14, Revelations 21, and Revelations 22. Okay? And if that isn't good enough, 1 John, I'm sorry to preempt my wife, chapter 5, verse 21, says this. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. And that comes from John the Beloved. Okay? Truth about idols? It offends the Lord. And He judges idol worship. He will deal with it. And let me tell you something. You will not escape. It is a dangerous place to be. Remember scriptures. Communion with idols. Chapter 11, verse 30 of 1 Corinthians says that there were many who were sick, weak, and dead. Why? It all started. Well, we're communing with idols. It's not that big a deal. It is the chastening of the Lord, and He will chase it even to the point of ending your life. What about unbelievers? Well, it's pretty simple. Idolaters will have no part in the kingdom. Free in Christ, beloved. It's true. How will your freedom affect others? And I do not want you to hurt or offend others. How will my freedom affect me? I don't want anything in my freedom that would expose me to idolatry, to Satan's system that will ensnare me, catch me in sin, make me useless to God. And I will close with the same thought that John the Beloved said. Little child, keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from idols. Let's pray.
Father, we love you and we praise you for this time. Lord, I thank you for the communion of the saints. I thank you for the koinonia with you. Father, I thank you for the koinonia with the body of Christ, the bride. And Father, when we take of the cup, when we take of the table, Father, it's just amazing to me that there is the communion between us and you, but there's also the communion between each of us. Father, you've helped me a lot with this text. Help my life, my soul, my understanding. Father, I pray for these precious souls, these that are beloved of you. Father, that they would grasp just a little more what quantity is. And that, Father, it would become something that we all would cherish. That we'd all embrace. That we'd all just adore. Communion of the saints. Communion of the Godhead. I just praise you for what you've done. Lord, I just thank you. I cherish you. I cherish this precious people. Father, may we, your little children, guard ourselves from idols. To your glory and praise. Amen.